Hey you guys, I just wanted to take this opportunity and to let you know we have the up and coming Game Changers Summit live coming up on January 27th to 29th. A three-day virtual experience with 24 world-class game-changing leaders from around the world. Uh, We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, marketing, branding, personal development, health, uh, self-mastery, business and leadership, just to mention a few. Uh, we're going to be featuring Dr. John D. Martini, Marshall Goldsmith, Bob Berg. Uh, we're going to be featuring the uh, Instagram influencer, Natasha Grano, and many, many more. Now, you can, you can become a participant in the Game Changer Summit live for free. All you have to do is go to the following URL, https colon forward slash forward slash www.thegamechangersummit.com forward slash sign up hyphen form. Uh, for more information, click on the link below uh, because honestly, this is probably the David versus Goliath of all summits. It is the summit of the year. See you soon. Take care and we'll see you there. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have a very, very special show. We have Dr. John Martini, ladies and gentlemen, in the house. Who is John? Well, if you don't know who John is, John is a well-renowned expert in the, in the field of human behavior. He has written over, he's got over 40 different books, which are best-selling books, as well as being featured in the documentary, The Secret as well. You know, for me, what I love about John is just his sheer amount of knowledge that he has. And you can learn so much from this gentleman. Yeah, welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I know that, interestingly enough, I know that we kind of did some stuff back in 2020 uh, at the Game Changers Summit, which we'll talk a little bit later on. And I'm just so privileged to have you on the show today as well, because you've just got an abundance of amazing knowledge to share with people, which I love. Now, you've accomplished many things in your life, you know, whether it be uh, speaking around the world, whether it be inspiring people, whether it be learning and studying about, you know, human behavior and performance. But where did the calling come from, you know, back in the early days? And what was the big, huge breakaways for you, just to give people a bit of a background story? When I was born, when I was about a year and a half old, after I was just starting, I found out that I had a speech impediment. And I had to go to a speech pathologist from about a year and a half on to, I think, around four. Okay. And I also had a leg and arm deformity, and it was turned inward. And I had to wear braces until I was four. Boy. So I think the speech impediment and the constraint had something to do with my pathway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I went on to start elementary school 
And no matter what I did, it just didn't work for me. I, I had difficulties comprehending and reading and things of this nature. My teacher put me in the dunce class, I had to wear a dunce cap. I hate that. Yeah, that was 1960 around. Right. And um, I was told by my teacher that I would never be able to read, write, probably never communicate effectively, not amount to anything, not go very far in life. So they didn't have a lot of hope, but they thought, well, maybe now that he's out of his braces and he wants to run everywhere, put him into sports, he might be able to do something there. Mm. Well, that led me to baseball and surfing. And surfing in Texas wasn't the best place to surf. <laughs> and I made it through elementary school with the help of the smartest kids by asking a lot of questions. And then when my parents moved from Houston, Texas to Richmond, Texas, into a small, social, lower socioeconomic area, I didn't have a bunch of smart kids to ask questions to, and I failed and I dropped out of school. So at 13, I left home and I was a street kid from 13 to 18. Wow. And I first hitchhiked at 14 out to California and down into Mexico to surf in California and New Mexico. My parents gave me their blessings, believe it or not. I have a notarized document showing that they were they give me freedom to go and go surfing because I, I knew I they knew I wasn't going to make it in school and that was like a torture and I uh, wonder ride big waves so I eventually made enough money panhandling to go and fly to Hawaii and I lived first under a bridge then in a park bench then in a bathroom and then in a abandoned car and finally in a tent kept social climbing and in Hawaii I nearly died at age 17 right wow. before my 18th birthday Mm -hmm. And um, I was unconscious for three and a half days. Luckily, a lady found me in, in the jungle and um, took me to a little health food store. And leaving that health food store, I saw a flyer on a door that in, intrigued me. And it was a special speaker. And I never went to classes anywhere. It wasn't my thing. But something about this guy that was speaking, I thought, and I think I'd like to go hang out and see this, who this is. And one night with one man in one hour, with one message. This gentleman named Paul Bragg really, really got to me and really spoke to me in such a way that that night that I actually thought that maybe somehow I could overcome my learning problems and someday learn how to read and someday be intelligent. I never thought I could ever be intelligent until that night. Mm. And that night I had a dream, a vision, literally an epiphany vision kind of thing of me speaking and traveling the world because I love travel. I loved hitchhiking, going places. <laughs> and I wanted to travel around the world and I wanted to be intelligent. I wanted to, to say and learn and, and, and share. And I wanted to be a teacher. So I set out and wrote that down. Um, okay. Wow. That's amazing. You know, because you mentioned about like you had your parents' blessing. Did you ever have any, I suppose, not regrets, but kind of when, when they said to you, oh, you know, we, you have our blessing. Um, did you kind of ever feel like you were feel abandoned by them at any point in time? No, okay. I, I, I look back at my, um, I don't have anything that I can say other than thank you to my parents. Um, I had a notarized form. I had to go down to a notary with my mom mm. um, and they notarized a document that I could carry and fold it up in my, in my kind of wallet looking thing that they, they had. Right. My dad said, 
keep $13 in your pocket, never spend this $13 so they can't put you in, in a jail for vagrancy and, and make sure you have this document and here's the contact details in case they ever you ever get pulled over or you know, people wonder why you're doing what you're doing. And um, they took me out to the freeway, uh, Interstate 10 in Houston, Texas, and said, go live your dream. Wow. At 13 years old. Well, I, would, I left home at 13, but I, I, every once in a while I would see my parents. And then at 14, I said, I'm going to California. And they said, well, let me, let's, let's get this organized. And they made the arrangement. You know, my dad said that I've taught you everything you need to know. When I was nine, my dad uh, made me pay $7.50 a week to stay at the house um, and pay for clothing, food, and rent and work in the neighborhoods to try to learn how to be, you know, street smart because he thought I'm never going to make it in school. So let's try to make him street smart. So at least he has, you know, skills mm. to go out and make a living. Wow. And so I was, I cleaned up when I was nine years old, I was making the equivalent of about $45 a day, which would be around six, $700 a day today that's, uh, when that's... I was nine. And I had uh, nine employees working for me at the time, working and doing all the arts. So my dad was trying to get me to be an entrepreneur. He said, look, I've taught you what you need to do to survive out there. Go, go live. You want to go make it? Because I really did have some sort of capacity to go surfing and thought maybe I could make it in the surfing world. Now, today, there's lots of money in the surfing world. There wasn't a lot of money in the surfing world back then. But, but uh, So I went out and rode North Shore. And on my 65th birthday last year, I went out to the North Shore and surfed Pipeline and, and Lonnie K. That's cool, man. I, I love that. You know, it's interesting. You like seeing you and, and people that know you, you, you wouldn't see yourself as a surfer, right? I mean, I would never have seen you as a surfer, but hey, you know what? We've all got hidden talents, John, right? Exactly. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, believe it or not, I, I used to surf. I, I lived in Iakai Beach Park most of the time. And Laird Hamilton was dropped off there I was sort of an abandoned child by his mom there. Right. And um, Bill Hamilton, who lived a couple doors down from Pipeline there, well, front of Pipeline, actually, uh, saw him in the on the beach in the sand. I was sleeping up at the park and down on the beach itself, this kid was sleeping, and that was Laird Hamilton. He became one of the biggest wave riders in the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I grew up and hung out with some of the, you know, big wave riders and got in a, some movies. I got in three movies and some magazines and also in a book called High Surf, Giant Surf. I have to be uh, have a chapter in there. So nice. I, I was a, a surf rat <laughs> in, the, in the 60s and 70s. All good. So listen, guys, if you if you ever see, uh, if you're going to go and look at some new books, right, make sure that you go seek out John's uh, chapter in the surfing books. You have a, by the way, do you know the title of the book? High Surf. High Surf. Okay, guys, go seek it out. High right? Surf. I surfed by Tim Baker. There you go. High surf by Tim Baker. Surfed, Make sure you go I see that out. <laughs> yeah, I surfed with I surfed with Tim Baker in Australia. We, we went go. surfing together. Fantastic. That you know what? I never knew that about you, by the way. I just wanted to point that out to you. That's so cool. So interestingly enough, because I know that there's a lot of, I suppose the world's upside down at the moment, but I wanted to kind of talk to you a little about a little bit about forces. You know, there's a lot of internal forces, there's external forces, okay? And most of these can sometimes feel like we're not in control of our life, okay? How can we become more consciously aware about how to manage those forces and how can we fix them? Well, 
there's three things you have control over mm -hmm. perceptions, decisions, and actions. That's it. Anything outside that is delusional. <laughs> you have control of your perceptions, decisions, and actions. And no matter what happens out there, no matter what happens in the world, if you ask a simple question, how specifically is what's happening right now helping me fulfill my mission? How does it help me fulfill what I believe is most important, most fulfilling, most meaningful, most inspiring in my life? Mm -hmm. And don't say it's not. Don't say I don't know. Don't stop and say, well, I'm a victim of history. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, how specifically is what's happening helping me fulfill my highest value? If I do that and I discover the answer to that, I will see it on the way, not in the way. And I will realize that whatever is happening is not what's in controlling me. It's my perception, decisions, and actions as a result of that. So you want to make sure that you ask yourself quality questions. How specifically is whatever is happening in my current reality helping me fulfill what's most important to me in my life right now? Right. You have control over two things, really, when it comes to, um, as I said, perception, decision, action, those three. But anytime you're doing an action, you have control over what's priority. Mm -hmm. So if you prioritize what you're doing and you fill your day with the highest priority action that inspires you, your day doesn't fill up with low priority distractions that don't. And you maximize your action potential on a daily basis. If you can take your motor and, and prioritize that and you can take your sensory input, whatever you experience, and link it to whatever is highest on your value, you're now prioritizing your perceptions. Mm -hmm. And when you make a decision to either prioritize your perceptions or actions, you have control over your destiny. Because then it doesn't matter what goes on out there. Mm -hmm. This is what Viktor Frankl did in the concentration camps. When everybody else was dying, he survived because he asked, how is it helping him and how is it giving meaning to him? And so by taking command of your perceptions, decisions, and actions, you can, you can pretty well take anything that goes on in the outer world and turn it into an opportunity. Absolutely. I completely 100% agree with you. What I was going to say, and this, do you know what? This is a, a, I suppose this is kind of a personal question in a way, because I know that there is a lot of mental illness out there, you know, people that suffer from depression and, you know, stress and, you know, and a family member of mine, you know, she suffers from my mom, believe it or not, she suffers from depression. And I want to really talk about why, um, people cannot discover what their life's purpose is. You know, I'm a big believer that if you discovered your life purpose, then, you know, you're not going to be as depressed, but people seem to be stuck. Right. And, you know, with everything that goes on in, in the world and, you know, where is it that people need to seek to try, try to fulfill that potential? Well, your life demonstrates what you value. Mm-hmm. You have a hierarchy of values, a set of priorities, things that are most important to least important in your life that your life demonstrates. So if you did a, a hovering drone over you and watched you for 24 hours a day for about a year, you would see that you have a pattern in your behavior. Mm -hmm. You would find out that there are certain things you spontaneously do that nobody has to remind you to do that you love doing. And there'd be other things you feel like you have to do and got to do and should do. And identifying what it is that's highest on your value by looking at what you fill your space with, what you spend your time on spontaneously. What is it that energizes you? Where is your money really going? Because that tells you what you value. What is it that you're most organized in? What is it you're most disciplined in? What are you thinking about visualizing and internally dialoguing with yourself about, about how you want your life to be that shows evidence of coming true? Mm. What do you want to converse with other people about most? What do you keep bringing the conversation to? What inspires you and brings tears to your eyes? 
an inspiration. What is the most consistent goals that you've been persisting and that it's making progress and you see it? And what exactly is it you love learning about, studying about, reading about? If you look at what's the common denominator in those questions and look objectively at what your life demonstrates, it's smacking you in the face. Yeah. But what we do is we, we can look at that and I can see that in people and it's not hard to identify, mm. but now they're confronted by this fear. They're confronted by, uh, am I intelligent enough? Will I succeed at it? Mm-hmm. Will I make money at it? Or will I lose money doing it? What will happen to my loved ones? Will they re- still respect me or will they reject me for doing it? What will happen in society? Will they reject me? Do I have the, the vitality or the looks to pull it off? Is it morally, ethically right to the people I've subordinated to in moral construct? <laughs> these, these fears make people think and, and live in the shadows of other people. And that's where the confusion comes in. I've not ever met an individual that didn't deep inside know what their mission is. They, they know inside but the fear of what the consequences of pursuing it makes them lie to themselves saying, I don't know. And I've been doing this in the breakthrough experience for 32 years and helping people every week doing that, but I do it. And each individual knows inside, but they don't want to admit it to themselves because now the confronting of all those phobias come in. Mm -hmm. And all those are a result of subordinating to outside authorities. As long as we put people on pedestals and think, well, they're smarter they're more successful. They got more money. They got a more stable relationship. As long as we compare themselves to them and are too humble to admit what we see in them inside ourselves and minimize ourselves to others, we'll inject their values, which will create confusion and conflict inside ourselves about what we really want. That's why people are afraid to admit what they want, but they yeah. know inside. No, I, I, I agree. I, but, I, but don't you think it's also about attitude as well because you've got to have a great attitude right if you want to change something then you've got to be there otherwise it's just not going to work right well if you're not inspired by what you're doing you're you're you're, you're draining your life away yeah. you know you're, you're hurting a company if you're working in a company you're not engaged in you're hurting your own life and your physiology is going to show for it over time mm. if you're not authentic and you're not inspired and you're not grateful for your life you're missing it you're you're you're, you're allowing the world on the outside to dictate what it is instead of you on the inside Nietzsche warned against this. All great philosophers knew this. So we're not here to stand in the shoulders, you know, in the, in, in the shadows of anyone. We're here to stand on the shoulders of giants. We're here to, to own what we see in greatness around us and stand up and, and take command of it. But, but I'm certain that people know because I've been doing this a long time. And I've confronted people's BS. People come up with all kind of BS. I don't know. I don't know. I know. And, oh, really? I've, I've never found that to be true. I found that they are afraid of the consequences of pursuing what they know what they want to do. That's it. That's interesting. Interesting connotation. I love that, by the way. So as we're on the subject of fears, by the way, how do we take, how do we take those fears and turn them into opportunities? Well, let me just uh, wake up a fantasy fear combination. I want you to imagine a magnet, a magnet that's got a positive negative pole. Right. Okay. Now, the positive pole is something you seek. The negative pole is something you repel, attract, mm-hmm. repel. Yep. Let's just put that connotation to it. Sure. Now, let's say you meet a really hot girl, okay, and you're attracted to her. Mm-hmm. The moment you're attracted to her and you're infatuated with her and you can't, you can't live without her, you now fear her loss. So the second you infatuate with something, you fear its loss. So that philia 
breeds that phobia. Now, the second you now see something that you resent and you're conscious of the downsides, unconscious of the upsides and you resent, you're wanting to avoid it. But the moment you are now resenting something and have a phobia of something, you create a fantasy of escape. And so now you have whatever you fear, you have a philia getting away from it. And whatever you fantasize, you have a fear of losing it. So you have the fear of loss of that which you seek and the fear of gain of that which you are trying to avoid. So anytime you have a highly polarized, subjectively biased perspective that labeled thing, the absolutes, all good, all bad, all positive, all negative, you just live your life in fear because you have the fear of loss of that which you seek and the fear of gain of that which you're trying to avoid. So anytime you try to live in somebody else's values that you put on a pedestal and expect to live outside your own hierarchy of values in their values, you have a fantasy which now creates an anxiety. The moment you set up a fantasy, you're creating an anxiety. Depression is a comparison of your current reality to a fantasy you're addicted to. So if your mom is depressed, she's comparing her current reality to a fantasy about how she's supposed to be or how life's supposed to be or how it should have been or how she would hope it would have been. And whenever you have those fantasies and don't find the drawbacks of the fantasies, you won't find the benefits of your realities. Mm. Did you hear that, guys? Parents- <laughs> But there's a lot of depressed people out there, you know, and, and I think that if a you're lot listening- of people, no, there's no, there's a lot of people that are living in fantasies mm. that have depression as a feedback to let them know that they're pursuing fantasies. Yeah. Depression's not an illness. No. That's a crap. That's a bunch of crap that people keep marketing. Mm. Your depression is a feedback to you to let you know you're pursuing unrealistic expectations on something in life. That's what it's doing. And it's actually a friend. It's actually trying to give you a feedback to let you know that whatever you're expecting, it's not, you don't have a strategy to get or what you're expecting is monopoled, mm-hmm. one-sided. If, you, if, I'm, if I'm in a relationship with somebody and I expect them to be nice, never mean, kind, never cruel, positive, never negative, I have a delusion. I have a fantasy. They have a set of values. You support their values, they're going to be nice. You challenge right. their values, they're going to be mean. They're going to have both sides. But if I have an expectation of them only being one side, I'm just now, I got an unrealistic expectation. I've got a phobia and then now a depression coming in. I get angry and ag- aggressive. I get blame and I'll feel betrayed. Criticism and challenge, despair and depression, you know, desire to exit and escape, frustra- frustration and futility, grouchiness and grief, hatred and hurt, irritability and insanity. I call those the ABCDEFGHIs of negativity. And there's too much, that, too much of that negativity out there in the world. I can tell you that for sure. No, 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 there's too much fantasy. Too much fantasy. It. Absolutely. And interesting, we the talked about are the sources of them. Yeah, yes, it's true. And we talked about a lot about in the in the sum actually, when you were talking about the fact that so many people live in this fantasy world and just people need just need to wake up, right? Well, like I said, you I, I'm not a nice guy. Okay. I'm not a mean guy. I'm a human being. That is times when I'm nice persona and times when I'm a mean persona. Agree. Would you agree you have that? Absolutely. Okay. So so if I have an expectation on myself mm-hmm. to be one-sided, I'm going to end up being depressed because I can't obtain it. Mm-hmm. If I'm expecting you to be one-sided, I can't obtain it. If I expect you to live in my values, it won't last. Can't right. do it. If I expect me to live in your values, can't do it. So anytime you envy somebody and look up to somebody and try to live in their values, envy is ignorance, imitation, and suicide. 
Anytime you look down on somebody and expect them to change to fit your values, you have anger. So anytime you have unrealistic expectations, your body creates a depression and response to let you know you are living in a delusion. And that fantasy of expecting the world to be something it can't be is the source of our a lot of our psychological concerns. Definitely. Good. Uh, I like that. Interestingly enough, and this is a, a question actually that I got from one of our audience members. And she asks, uh, she says, are there any specific human elements that can help assist or change behavior? You have control over perceptions, decisions, and actions. Anything other than that is a waste of your time. So that, that's a very you, simple answer, guys. <laughs> yeah. So, so what you do, don't look for some external external source of what's going to save you. Don't, don't blame things on the outside and look for saviors on the outside. That's, right. that's, that's for the masses that are ignorant. Yeah. Realize that you have command over your perceptions. Mm-hmm. So if you're seeing the downside of something, stop and ask what's the upside. It's that simple. If you're seeing the upsides of something, stop and ask what are the downsides. Balance the equation because you're not seeing the whole. You're only seeing half of it. And that's a bias. Mm-hmm. And that sets you up for mania or depression, manic and panic states. This is what causes the volatilities in people's lives and instabilities in people's life. They don't learn how to govern themselves. Mm-hmm. Our executive center in our forebrain, in the medial prefrontal cortex, has the ability to inhibit the excitations of the lower brain systems and moderate those polarities of impulses and instincts that are seeking and avoidance reactions. Mm -hmm. So we have the capacity, if we live by priority, to get blood glucose and oxygen into the forebrain to allow us to have governance and have self-management. We are designed for self-reliance and self-management when we live by priority. That's why I tell people, find out what your hierarchy of values are. I tell people to go to my website and take advantage of the, the complementary value determination. Find out what your values are. Find out what's really priority, what's important, and stick to priority. Your life will change the moment you get on priority and stick to the highest priority actions and change your perceptions no matter what happens to how is it helping you fulfill your highest priorities. When you do, your executive center comes online. It moderates the volatilities of emotions, the amygdalas, impulses, and instincts that are distractions, and allows you to be self-governed and grateful for your life because you see life on the way, not in the way. Yeah. Good point. Love it. Good answer. Interestingly enough, we're talking about fantasies, distractions. I really kind of want to go down there road a little bit more. I want to talk a little bit about energy and where energy comes from, because what I'd like to know more about is how we can create more positive energy and what is it that we need to do to take advantage of that in order to make ourselves and our business successful? Well, your energy automatically goes up the moment you're living by priority. Mm-hmm. You just think about your day. When you feel like you got the top highest priority things done, your energy goes up. You feel like you've accomplished something. You feel confident. Your self-worth goes up. You feel that you're resilient, adaptable, and you're able to manage. But if you do things that are low on priority and you feel like you didn't, you're putting fires out, you didn't get what the priorities are done for the day, mm. man, you're a bear when you get home. And you're more volatile. You're less resilient. Uh, you're not adaptable. You're more black and white. You're more right and wrong. You're more likely to project. Uh, expectations and unreal. So living by priority is the most significant thing to raise your energy levels up. I don't want to call it positive energy though, because it's not. That's a false construct that's been taught by the positive thinking movement. Energy is not a positive thing or a negative thing. It's a combination of the two. It's the voltage between the two. 
So if you're sitting there and living in a fantasy, you're going to have a nightmare to counterbalance it. That's the positive negative poles. When you synthesize those and bring those into balance, that's when you have the most potential energy. Mm. So I'm, I'm setting objectives. The difference between a fantasy and an objective is a fantasy is looking for a one-sided outcome, which leads to a false passion. And the other is a mission, embracing the positives and negatives in the pursuit of something grand, something great. You don't go to the you don't go to Mars like Elon Musk go to Mars without having a lot of build, a lot of uh, uh, crashes and explosions and a lot of setbacks and a lot of downsides. You don't get there. So if you're not sitting there and anticipating what are the challenges and mitigating the risks and getting objective and balancing out your equation, you're not prepared for reality. You keep setting up fantasies and that will end up draining your energy because you keep expecting the world to match a fantasy. It doesn't. The more you're addicted to one side, the other one smacks you. But when you're prepared for both sides of life, if I'm if I'm in a relationship and I'm prepared for both the supportive and the challenging, the nice and the mean, I'm prepared for a real relationship. But if I'm expecting a fantasy and I only want the fantasy and only want to be the positive side, the nice side, I have a fantasy and I'm going to end up with distress, not eustress. And I'm going to have no resilience. So it's important to have more energy comes from the embracing of both sides of life than it does by searching for a one-sided pole. That's called bipolar condition. Right. That, fascinating. Really fascinating. So interestingly enough, because I know that, you know, with what's going on and stuff like that, I, I see that a lot, a lot of people are struggling right now, you know, especially entrepreneurs, because that's mainly who we are, our, our audience and our listeners and things like that. And uh, I get the same question over and over again. How can I reinvent myself? What, is I, what do I need to do, Adam? What, what do I need to do to get out this cycle, this habit, this, uh, this cycle of despair and depression or whatever you might want to call it, fantasy? What is, what's the best advice to try and reinvent and reinvigor themselves? Very simple. Stop projecting assumptions onto the market and find out what the friggin' market wants. Bam. Stop projecting self-righteous assumptions about what you once did that worked and live in the past and expect the world today to be the same as the past or to hold on to a fantasy that you're supposed to just be taken care of and find out who you care about. You see, I I said at a church one time, if you're poor, it's because you don't care about humanity. And they went, what? What? Hold on a minute. I said, if you really (laughs) cared about humanity, you'd find out what the hell people want and what they're needing and go and find a way of efficiently and effectively competitively deliver it. Mm. And if you're too busy dwelling about how things are depressed, you don't have your mind on anything but your problem instead of your solution. And your solution is go find somebody to serve. Mm. Think about this. When you're doing this this, uh, interview right now and you're thinking about the people that you're bringing a message to and you're thinking about the questions, are you depressed? No, you can't be focused on depression and because depression is a comparison of, a, of, of your life to a fantasy. But the second you go out and serve somebody and make a difference in somebody's life and have fulfillment, you're not depressed. So what people do is entrepreneurs have assumptions that they know what the market needs. They're righteously projecting their pride and arrogance onto the market and saying, well, I know what it needs. And let me just go and it, they should know and recognize how great I am and everything else. That's not how you build a business. You build a business by being really methodical in finding out what people want and finding out who's delivering it and finding a way of more effectively and efficiently delivering that product service or idea in a way that is at a cost effective, fair exchange, sustainable manner. Do there's no problem in business. There's never a lack of business, never a lack of business. 
It's a I, lack of caring about people to get that business. I agree. And, you know, we're in the age of relationship building, right? And it's so important, especially as, especially as so many people are working from home these days and building trust and authenticity and connection is so important these days. And I completely 100% agree with this, like music to my ears. But let's talk about ego because I know it's one of your favorite subjects, ego and controlling the ego. And where does the ego come from? And, and why is it that people just can't, you know, control themselves? Uh, they can. What, what, what happens is they have to, com they're confused in who, who they are. See, anytime you look down on somebody and puff yourself up with arrogance, you're exaggerating yourself with pride, and that's not authentic. Mm -hmm. Anytime you minimize yourself and envying somebody and looking up at a pedestal on them or putting them on a pedestal and minimizing yourself, that's not authentic. Right. But the second, whatever you see in them is inside you, and you level the playing field, and you realize that whatever you see in them, you have, you now level the playing field and end up being authentic. So reflective awareness and introspection is essential for authenticity. And so if you go in there and, and think you're better than others, you'll project your values onto them and expect them to live in your values, and they can't. And if you minimize yourself, you'll expect yourself to live in their values, and you can't. Both of them are futile. But if you actually look and reflect, that's why I say, what is it that I see in others, and where is it inside me? And I own that trait. If I'm too proud or too humble to own the traits that I see in others, I won't have respect and reflection. So I first got to go in there and balance out the level, the playing field, because otherwise you can't have equanimity within you and you can't have equity, which is the key to transactional fair exchange and sustainability. Right. So first look at what you see in others and find out where it is inside you so you can relate because that otherwise you can't relate to them. There's no connection to them. Then respect them enough to find out what their needs by valuing their values, not making their values wrong finding out what they value and then finding where it overlaps with your values, finding your niche and then filling that niche. Love it. Very cool. Very good. Now, another question coming from the audience, by the way, and uh, this is a little bit long winded, but I'll kind of shorten it down. It says, uh, is it possible that our soul carries memories or characteristics from generations before us? And is this why we naturally, I suppose, drawn towards particular friends or uh, things or destined to towards future success or failures is there a theory that maybe relate to this and how can we use this knowledge to achieve success every time you perceive something challenging your values your sympathetic nervous system of the autonomic nervous system comes online and it methylates certain histones and dna with epigenetic tags hmm. anytime you see something that supports your values that it activates the parasympathetic nervous system on your autonomic nervous system. It acetylates uh, with epigenetics, the histones and DNA, and those are tags. And those tags are multi-generational. They can be carried from up to five generations they now know, maybe even longer, mm. but at least three to five generations. So something in a parent that was stressful to them can be still in the genetic tagging inside you epigenetically. And you can carry on some of those epigenetic tags. Are they set in stone? No. You have the capacity to neutralize those tags by neutralizing your perceptions and the associations you make with events in life. But you can, if you don't know how to neutralize those, still carry on those tags. And they can cause now what we call in this life, our, our new uh, gestation, uh, what we could call impulses and instincts in our life. We carry those forward. 
And so things that are supportive of our values that are carried on, we now are attracted to, and things that challenge our values, we are repelled from. So we can carry on learned in this life and also epigenetically coded from previous generations. Uh, we can learn those things. We can also uh, extract or in, inculcate viral horizontal gene transfers from viruses that also have codes that can impact our impulses and instincts. Wow. So that's called a horizontal gene transfer. So all of those can impact our, our consciousness. Now, anything that we store in our subconscious mind are where all those impulses and instincts are stored in our subconscious mind and causes within 200 to 800 milliseconds reactions in our brain faster than we can think. So most of us are automatons reacting to misperceptions and these emotional tags that are running our lives and acting like animals without realizing it. That's why it's so important to live by highest priority and the highest values where you're more objective because you neutralize the tags and set yourself free from those impulses and instincts from the past and allow you to take command and decide what you want to put on those tags for the future. Because if you do and you are loving and you're more resilient and adaptable and you're more present, you take that subconscious and you put it into the superconscious. And you now myelinate the forebrain. You now have self-governance. You now direct it. You live by design instead of duty. Instead of letting the vicissitudes of the impulses and instincts from the past run your life, you're now taking command and living by design and you're master planning your own pathway. That's the master. And I, I've been teaching people how to do that for years now, decades, in fact. And if they don't take command of their life, any area of their life they don't empower and take command of, other people are going to overpower them. They're going to be reacted to the world on the outside instead of called from the world within. Fantastic. Well, that I hope that I hope that whichever uh, I hope that I hope that was useful uh, information, guys. Because honestly, I mean, we could literally stay on here for hours and hours, and we could just have lots and lots of fun. But I know that uh, Dr. John D. Martini is extremely busy. But we are looking forward to having him on the side. By the way, John, do me uh, what what in terms of twenty one, right? How does you see things like for you in your business and, 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 and how does you, what is it that you're working on in 21 and, you know, how are you going to be like maybe showing up slightly different? Cause every time I think 2020, I think I saw you everywhere on social media. You're like, Oh, there's Dr. John. There is, there's John again. <laughs> but how are you, um, what did you learn from 2020 and how are you going to translate that success into 21? Well, I'm going to continue on with it. I'm going to continue. Look, the bottom line is I'm a man on a mission. I've been doing it 48 years on doing what I can to serve people. We, we reached about 250 million people last year. I will do that and, and probably exceed that this year. We're doing every podcast, every webinar, every live seminar, every speech. Uh, we're writing books. We're writing articles. It goes to 1,400 magazines. We're constantly putting information out into the world to constantly do what we can and make of service to people. As a result of that, well, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to expand. So it'll be just as an expanding year this year as last year. You know what? That's what I love about you because you are a true giver uh, and you, you've got such an abundance of knowledge to share to people. And I just, I just love that. That's a great value that I love about you. And that's probably one of the reasons why we get on so well. Well, the thing is, is, you know, I, I made a commitment that I was going to learn and study. And I, 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 when I was 18 years old, I wanted to understand the most, I, I wanted to, I asked my mom, because she asked me what I wanted for my birthday when I was about to turn 19. She, she said, what do you want for your birthday and for Christmas? I said, I want the greatest teachings on the face of the earth by the greatest minds who ever lived from around the world. And she said, you sure you don't want a t-shirt? <laughs> I, said, I said, no, no, I want the greatest teachings. So 
I have spent my last 48 years studying the great classics, studying the great minds, the great leaders, the great anybody who's done extraordinary things and left their mark and originated new innovations on the planet. I've devoured and I keep devouring. I've got 19 people sending me research articles on a daily basis. I'm going through, I mean, dozens and dozens of articles every single day. I'm researching, trying to keep ahead in many fields. I want to build the most universal principles that I could, that people could stand on that would be certain to be able to build a life that's masterful. And so I love doing that. And there's no end to learning because the more you know, the more you know, you don't know, and it just keeps growing. Mm. So I can't wait to get up in the morning and learn something new and then share as much as I just learned that day. So I I have constant learning and then I'm constant wanting to share what I just learned. So that Mm. keeps you invigorated and keeps you focused. You don't have time for depression because you're too busy serving. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. And, and you know, because you come from a place of purpose and value and likewise, uh, you know, and, and, and you just, all those, they're just distractions, like as you said, and, you know, you just don't have time for any of that kind of crap. So what I was going to say. If, if, if you have time, if you have time to think you're depressed, you're not on priority. No, I agree 100%. So <laughs> I was going to say, really excited about you being featured on the next Game Changer Summit uh, live, by the way. And can you just give us a little bit of a, a little bit of a taster about some of the things that you're going to be teaching us? Well, some of the same things we're talking about here, we're going to be, we're going to be doing everything we can to help people more, be more productive, more inspired, more fulfilled in their life. As long as you're setting goals mm. that are congruent and aligned with what you value most, you're going places. But the second you don't, you're designed to self-defeat. So I'm going to be talking about how to prioritize that, how to set that, how to know a difference between a fantasy and objective. There'll be a whole lot of things that we're going to cover on there that'll be eye-opening, invigorating, and definitely life-changing. Absolutely. Listen, John, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us here on the Game Changers Experience. I always enjoy our conversations, as always, buddy. And really looking forward to seeing you on the summit as well. So just want to say thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me again. And I look forward to the summit and thank you and for what you're doing because we're all out there to make, doing our best to make a difference. So thank you. Awesome. So guys, listen, if, uh, if you've enjoyed today's conversations with me and uh, Dr. John Martini, please do me a favor. John's going to be featured on our summit. If you want to know more details about the summit, please click on the links below and also do connect with uh, John D. Martini as well on the social media links on the links below. I'm sure just mentioned about the podcast or that you've listened to him on the podcast. And I'm sure that in due time, him and his team will be able to respond. So just want to say thank you so much for today. And we'll see you soon on the Game Changers Experience. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.